I think it could be said that the impulse of homesickness is the thing that often brings us to prayer. That sense that something's just not quite right or the desire to just feel at rest and know that you are loved in God's presence. That's often what brings me to prayer, to just sit for a moment and know that I am loved, to share with somebody the ways that I long to be more fully at home within myself, long to see the world more fully at home with itself. And so as we come to our time of confession this morning, let us bring ourselves in that longing to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we find ourselves with two options every day. To stay homesick for the world you had in mind, or to allow cynicism to win. Do we hope against hope, or do we throw in the towel? Do we insist on a better world, or do we assume it's impossible? Forgive us for the days when cynicism wins. Forgive us for numbing our homesick hurt instead of using it to fuel a better world. Kindle in us a hope that won't let go. Gratefully, we pray. And let us take a moment of silence to bring our homesick hearts into the presence of God. Just as a mother cannot forget her nursing child, so God cannot forget us and welcomes, waits and to welcome us home. So friends, would you read this response of confession with me? Friends, believe this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and free. Let's take another moment to sit with that Advent hope as together we sing, Wait for the Lord. with you. Let's stand and greet each other with the peace of Christ and you online unmute yourself and say hi.
Good morning. Happy first day of Advent. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, everybody. Oh, hi, Ian. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Oh, Emily's here. Hi, Mary Jo. I'm good. Brenda's looking good. Hello. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, my. So good to be here together. Yep. Hi, good morning, everybody. I'm <laughs> Good to see your smiling faces. Always so good to see your faces. It is. And names. All of it. Emily, your hair looks great. Yeah, thank you. The continual grow out. I'm going to be like, uh, I forget the name of the fairy tale character whose hair keeps growing. The one in the towel. <laughs> Check in with me in January. Okay. <laughs> there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told him a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you could see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thank you, Max, for that reading from Luke 21. Walter was a farm boy from North Dakota. He was orphaned in his teen years. And so he began to make his way out to California with a public works project, working on bridges and dams as he made his way across and a Model T, probably driving about 35 miles an hour <laughs> across the prairies. But California was the promised land. 
and he never forgot it. Things grow here all year round. He was able to have a farm. He was able to enjoy the sunshine. He was able to ride bikes. He had his family here and he loved living here, loved walking his property in the mornings and, and sharing the produce with his friends and family. He loved his neighborhood, but he never stopped talking about North Dakota. And before iPhones could tell you what the weather was in Turtle Lake, North Dakota, Walter could tell you what it was in 1975. He always was making phone calls back to Turtle Lake, North Dakota. He always had stories and updates about what was happening with all of his brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces. I think he probably returned only a handful of times over the years. But as his granddaughter, I knew there was something more behind his talk of North Dakota. There was, it wasn't that he was more happy than if he was in North Dakota. It wasn't that he even wanted to be there. It was just that it was home. And it re represented something for him that when he talked about North Dakota, you just could feel the home in how he talked about it. I first recognized this feeling in myself not about North Dakota, but it was after a very long winter living in Europe. I lived through one of the coldest winters in Central Europe when I was living in Budapest, Hungary, when I was about 24 years old. And I had a work trip that took me to Thessaloniki, Greece. And so we flew out of the clouds of Central Europe. And then as we began to land in Thessaloniki, the sun was shining. The sky was blue and the water was sparkling and I could just feel that California girl part of me come alive. You know, it was like, I thought I felt at home in Budapest, but it turns out that when I feel that sunshine and when I feel that warmth and that, that sun that we had yesterday here in Northern California, I really feel like that's home for me. And that identity has been tested. I moved 10 years ago to Bend, Oregon, where everyone from California wants to go, right? People are always saying, why did you move back from Bend, Oregon? That's like the promised land. Um, and I lived there pretty happily for about the first five years. But then after five years, I just started missing this landscape, this place. And, and when I started coming back occasionally, I could just feel it in my bones that this was home. I recently read a greeting card in a, a place in San Francisco that says, I'm so sorry you're not a Californian <laughs> to send to somebody. I haven't found the right person to send it to yet, but someday. <laughs> but when I eat a persimmon or I eat an artichoke or I pull a Meyer lemon off the tree in the backyard, where I drive through those golden East Bay Hills where I grew up, there is a deep resonance in my soul called home. I'm sure we all have our own versions of this. And we'll be exploring this theme of home throughout the coming weeks as we go through this Advent season. And I hope that, that you can engage, whether it's coming on Sunday morning or joining us online, whether it's the, that devotional Others just coming on Thursday evenings to sit in quiet. There's a lot of ways for us to be in this Advent season. The word Advent means waiting. 
And there's a sense in which in the next few weeks, we're, we're digging into that waiting, into that sense of, of now we're at home and yet we're not quite there. It's a time of watchful attention, to pay attention to where we see God and to make space for God in our lives. This first Sunday of Advent text is always a weird text. And thank you from, to Max for taking it on this morning. It can even be a bit scary, and this one is no exception. The author says to watch for the signs on the earth and kind of foreboding signs when everything feels like it's falling apart. And yet this text also has a sense of hope that when everything falls apart, it's an opportunity for, for that which is our true security and our true home to make its appearance, the kingdom of God. And so, says the writer of Luke, we are to stay alert and awake. I think this text is inviting us to go deeper, to live, as St. Benedict said, with our eyes wide open, to allow ourselves the homesickness that comes with living in this world, to, to help us hold the paradox of living with a world that is defined often by that bitter sweetness of homesickness, the now and the not yet, the kingdom that is here and the kingdom that is still coming. Jürgen Moltmann said, Christian hope is not the opium of the beyond, but rather the divine power that makes us alive in the world. Christian hope is not the opium of the beyond, but the divine power that makes us alive in the world. So how do, we, how do we take that longing, that homesickness within us and allow it to make us more alive in this world? I think this is where our Christian discipleship and our practices, they, this is where they come in because they're able to help us bear the, the paradoxes of living in this world and to find this world as a place of hope and action. The faith that Jesus, the faith that Jesus is describing here is not a pie in the sky dreaming, maybe in the great beyond something will happen. It's also not a resignation to, well, it's just all, you know, going to hell in a handbasket anyways. It's not, it's not, it's not doing either of those things. It's a faith that is grounded in an eyes wide open hope and in a love that is rooted in the notion of incarnation that we celebrate in this season, that, that God is with us in the mess and the muck and even the falling apart sometimes. The truth is that when I returned to California over four years ago, not all my problems were solved. <laughs> Shocking. I am comforted and nurtured by the landscape and the soil here. It's so good to be close enough to my family. I could drop, I wasn't able to be with my family for Thanksgiving, but I was able to drop off a big bouquet of flowers to my mom on Thanksgiving morning. But California was never perfect. The redlining real estate laws in the East Bay where I grew up and here in Ladera that were just recently reversed meant that some people could live in some places and not in others. There's poverty and violence in the cities, especially as I was growing up. Um, I have family stories that are rooted here that hold beautiful things and also painful things. 
And now it's still not perfect. Even though that I'm here now, there's fire and there's drought nearly every year. That didn't happen when I was growing up. The growth of the tech industry leaves me always feeling nostalgic for what I like to call old California. <laughs> the San Francisco of my youth, the neighborhoods that were so distinct in their, their ethnicity and their local flavor, they're losing some of that, aren't they? But I, and am I against the change? Do I not like things to change? Should I despair because home is never perfect? No, but it does leave me homesick for a different kind of world that never even was and certainly isn't now. And that longing, that longing for what could be for the home that I kind of can see and yet can't quite touch, that's what holds the possibility and keeps me moving forward. Maybe Jesus wasn't predicting the end of the world in this text. Maybe he was naming that it often feels like the world is ending. It's part of our human experience. And we can get buried by that, and sometimes we do, understandably. But some days, and I hope in this season, we can hear the voice of Jesus saying, Stand up straight and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Don't let your hearts be dulled. Last night, I was able to watch one of the holiday films on my list, which is Tick, Tick, Boom. Anyone else seen it yet? <laughs> it's a beautiful film by a play that was written by Jonathan Larson who also wrote Rent. It's a play he wrote before that and then died um, right before Rent went on stage. It's a story of a composer living in New York City. It's prob probably somewhat autobiographical, definitely autobiographical of Jonathan Larson himself. And he's full of the possibilities that he knows, a mind that is brilliant and that can write incredible lyrics heart that, that is living these beautiful stories and wants to make them become real in the world. And yet also the realities of being an artist in New York City in 1990 and having to face the rejection that goes along with that, the sacrifice that comes with working for his, to put his art out into the world, the way that affects his relationships. He has friends who are dying of, during the height of the AIDS crisis. His electricity goes out because he can't pay his bills. And he's living in this tension and he's struggling to keep hoping. And then there's this song. And I wanted to share some of the lyrics. Why should we blaze a trail when the well-worn path seems safe and so inviting? How, as we travel, can we see the dismay and keep from fighting? What does it take to wake up a generation? How can you make someone take off and fly if we don't wake up and shake up the nation? We'll eat the dust of the world wondering why. Why do we follow leaders who never lead? Why does it take catastrophe to start a revolution? If we're so free, tell me why someone, tell me why so many people bleed. Cages or wings, which do you prefer? Ask the birds, cages or wings, fear or love, baby. Don't say the answer. Actions speak louder than words. It seems that Advent is asking us this question. Fear or love? 
cages or wings. It's inviting us to get to the core of fear or love, to not just speak, but live the answer, to brave the longing, the homesickness, and choose love over and over again. So how will you allow yourself to be a little homesick this Advent? How will you move towards choosing love? How will you be homesick for a world where love and compassion and justice of God is just the way things are? Luke recommends a certain level of sobriety. What does that mean for you? Maybe you like to do a little bit of fasting every once in a while, limiting your alcohol, changing chocolate consumption up, deciding how you're going to, maybe you're going to fast by, in a positive way, by putting more exercise into your life and just making sure you get out every day. Maybe you want to add in practices of prayer or gratitude. Maybe it's resisting impulses to the quick fixes, the ways we try to uh, heal up our homesickness by being resentful or by numbing or by getting more busy and instead sitting with that longing to allow it to produce patience and gentleness, kindness, and authenticity. So I invite us to be homesick together this Advent and to allow our longing to lead us deeper into the kingdom of God. Amen. In these next few moments, as this song comes, you're invited to, to give um, to that world that we long for through the ministry of this community. And so there's an invitation to give online or in your bulletin and a plate in the back as you leave today. Thank you. <laughs>